Hi. Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to chat with Jamie Bettens, our baseball friend, about what the heck's going on with Shohei Otani. And then Skylar Peters offers his best NFL wisdom, his week 14 NFL picks. That's coming up on the podcast. Welcome in Jamie Bettens, our baseball friend, longtime commissioner of the MJBL, comes on to talk about all things baseball most often. We usually tape these. This is one of the rare times we have you live because we didn't know today the fluidity of the Shohei Otani situation. Turns out, Jamie, there was nothing. It was all a big waste of time. Were you part of the people that was refreshing Twitter a lot today? Because I was, and I feel regret. Absolutely. Um, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a fun place to be if you're a sports enthusiast and, and, and especially a Blue Jays fan as uh, has been documented many times in our chats. Uh, it was something that if it seemed close and there were a few places that were willing to report that there was something imminent, um, very risky, uh, it certainly looked for uh, a sore index finger right now as I was scrolling through the multiple opportunities to try and just find that nugget. Yeah, there's like a Dodger blog that said it was happening, and but not, no big reputable reporter said, yes, it was happening. So we continued to wait, but we move past that and just talk about the potential of him coming to the Jays because it still very much could happen. They are reportedly a finalist for his services. In your eyes, why should Shohei Otani come to Toronto? Well, I think for a number of reasons. Um, you know, I obviously can't speak for him personally, but the, the opportunity for him, I, I don't know if he views himself as a, a true global entity the way I think a lot of prognosticators are trying to, to do that for him right now. I think he views himself as a baseball player. He's a private person. And coming to Toronto allows him to accomplish both of those things. The, the one thing that you get when you are a bit of a national hero playing for the Blue Jays is you still get the autonomy that you richly seek out as a professional athlete. You don't have to look any further than uh, you know our local pro sports teams and how much they crave their time you know outside the limelight and being able to go hunting and fishing and do things you know in our in our beautiful province i think that is probably one of the selling features um i think the very diverse population that we have here and the diverse fan base is another big big draw for him uh and then when it comes to the facilities and the team and the ability to win i don't think it's hard to draw a line between all three of those and link them together the extreme renovations to the spring training facility in Dunedin, the 300 plus million dollars that they've sunk into the Rogers center now. And the fact that they need that big ticket item to fill those seats um, is a bit of a win-win for everybody. And if you're Shohei Otani, it's not a tough decision to make. So you think that winning would be easier in Toronto, or do you think that's maybe secondary because the Dodgers seem on paper to be the team that has the best potential to be a successful team. Well, if you, if you look at the very first choice that he had to make, you know, he bypassed the Dodgers, he bypassed the Yankees, he bypassed the New York Mets. And I think in the beginning, it was more about location for him. Um, but he certainly didn't win with the angels. And so you have to ask yourself that question as to whether or not that is precedent for him, or if it's, you know, about his legacy, I think competing and, and a chance to win is a big part of the decision now. 
Um, but I think there's more to it than just whether or not they win multiple World Series and loading up and doing what you may see in the NBA circles, for instance. Recognizing that I am speaking to a Blue Jays fan here, I ask this question, but the Dodgers are not at the top of the list in L.A., and they never will be because the Lakers are, I think, unknockable at the top, but they're near the top. Right? There's a lot of sports in that area. The Kings, when they win the Cup, okay, you know, the Clippers, the Chargers, the Rams, no one really cares about those teams all that much. The Dodgers are maybe number two in L.A. The Blue Jays, I don't know if they can ever pass the Leafs, but as a sporting star, do you think that's something that would appeal to Otani coming to Toronto and knowing that hockey's always going to be king? You can be dominant in that sport in baseball, but maybe you will have some anonymity in the process? I do believe that baseball has its place in Canada. And with all due respect to, um, I, I guess, I guess the, the soccer slash football that, that also goes on in this country, you know, in like Toronto FC and whatnot, like they're, they're, you know, taking it over a little bit slower, albeit, but when hockey's not on, it's baseball season. And I don't think you could make the same argument that, you could when you say the Toronto Blue Jays are Canada's team. Um, it is because it's the only team at the moment. Um, but you can't say that about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You, you, you can't. You certainly have a fan base in every city, and there's Maple Leafs fans at, at every Winnipeg Jets game. But in the summertime, um, aside from you know the CFL kind of getting started towards the end of it, the Blue Jays dominate that landscape, so they truly are, in my opinion, Canada's team. And whether I'm a fan or not, um, I don't think you can deny those facts. So when, when you're looking at it from Toronto's point of view, the team's point of view, Rogers' point of view, it's a no-brainer to want Shohei Otani. He's one of the best players in baseball. And if you sign him within two weeks, like a third of Canada's, well, not maybe not a third of Canada, that might be an overstatement, but... There's going to be so many kids decked out in Otani jerseys. I think so. I, th- I actually think this is a longer-term play than people even realize. Um, I think the Jays were in on him much earlier when they first tried to kind of get him. And ever since then, I, I don't know if I could tie the renovations to maybe Dunedin and, and saying we're going to have a first-class facility for rehab, thinking that Shohei Otani was going to blow his arm out and, and want, want the best facility to rehab. I, I think that's a big part of it right now. Um, but these renovations and having the star power to sell those tickets is an absolute must. And if you dig a little bit deeper beyond the surface, you, you know, the Rogers contract with the NHL, I think is, is not much longer for uh, terminate, not termination, but coming to a, a bit of a hilt. And I, I think Rogers may strategically say, if we can get behind this, I think this is a better place to maybe spend our resources than, than what we've been maybe not getting from the NHL type package. And, and I think that there's so much at stake when this is not just a baseball deal. This is, this is much more than that. It, this is a Rogers deal. This is a, a popularity deal. This is a multicultural deal. There's just so many different spokes in this wheel that point to opportunity for Rogers, the Blue Jays, and and the country as a whole. Yeah, the hockey contract runs out at the end of the 2026 hockey season. So there's this one, 
the next one and one after, and then that's it. And then perhaps they get out of it and TSN picks it up again. But looking at his talents, because we, we've been talking for nine minutes and we haven't even mentioned Shohei's talents because I feel like it goes without saying. But this is a player that if he can stay healthy with his pitching arm, I mean, he's a one of one and could go down as one of the best players ever just because of how unique and talented he is at both hitting and pitching. And that's what justifies the contract number. When you're talking about a player in excess of Mike Trout's, you know, 525, 550, 600 million dollar contract, well, you're, you're, you are in some ways getting two players. Um, and, and so it, it justifies that he's lived up to the hype. He hasn't slipped and regressed the way some baseball players do when they do get those bigger contracts. Is the opportunity there for that? Absolutely. When you have Tommy John surgery, is there a guarantee that you will come back in full force? There is absolutely not a chance for that. But for someone who is so meticulous in his training regiment and is so dedicated to just being the best baseball player they can be, um, it, it's, it's just such an intriguing play. And there really isn't anyone like him. I, I, I noticed, you know, in the Twitter world, Somebody was asking, you know, what would it be like in another sport? And someone said, you know, if Connor McDavid uh, scored a goal on the power play and then went and put the pads on for the third period and and uh, shut the Winnipeg Jets out from scoring to win the game two to one, that's the equivalent. And and, I, and as funny as that sounds, that's that's really essentially what Shohei Otani is doing. He's playing two positions in the highest league you could play at in the world. And playing them both at a really high level too, right? He's an M- he's been MVP twice, one of the best hitters in baseball. He's putting up very good pitching stats, but this is one of the concerns. If you sign him, he has had two to- Tommy John surgeries now, and how much do you want to put a stress on that? Because if you're signing him for a record number and he's just a hitter, that's an expensive hitter. And the timing is right. The Jays have the pitching right now. They have the assets to go get more pitching. There isn't a rush to bring him back. They will win and be successful this year. They will make the playoffs without Shohei Otani in the lineup right now. They can spend the money. They can get the hitters. Adding him to the lineup further ensures the ticket sales and everything else, and you can bring him back slowly. If there is a setback, that's okay. You have enough resources to cover it. Uh, or you can trade some of those resources to bring in something even better and closer to playoff ready to get through that. And then when he is ready to play, um, that's where this gets real interesting for me in where Vladimir Guerrero ends up in the grand scheme of things when it comes down to when his contract is due and when Otani is healthy and who plays first base, DH, and all of that. that. That's where this gets real intriguing for me beyond the fanfare of, you know, Shohei Otani, the biggest, the greatest show on earth uh, coming to Toronto. If they sign him, every game's pretty well a sellout, you'd think, at least in year one. Globally, because now you're looking at TV contracts and you're going to need to produce a broadcast that transpires across the globe. Uh, you'll have double the media accreditation at every single home game. Uh, and again, because Toronto is such a wonderful melting pot of population, you know, you're, you're just the tourism boost alone. You'll never be able to measure it, but it's there and it's going to be there for the remainder of that contract. It is, 
it, it's unfortunate that it's a bit of a sideshow, but it's the best sideshow you could possibly have if you're a, a franchise like the Toronto Blue Jays right now. So we'll get you out of here on this. In your heart of hearts, is he going to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays or is he going to go to the L.A. Dodgers? I, I, I think I, I don't want to jinx it, but I, I can't see him not signing because of the way it's unfolding right now. And the size of the market of the L.A. Dodgers and the amount of leaks that they could be provided um, by, by getting out in front and, and kind of taking command of this, something tells me somewhere along the lines the Blue Jays really opened up some eyes. I believe it was when it was a visit to the spring training facility and he really saw the, the opportunity that he would have to truly rehab and come back stronger than ever. Uh, they have the best technology. It's it's known in baseball uh, at their facility. And once that happened, that's when I truly believed that this was a realistic possibility for the Blue Jays. I certainly don't want anybody to uh, start throwing any parties, but I think at this point I would be surprised if he did not sign with Toronto now. All right. Well, if he does do that, we're going to clip this and save this, Jamie. Appreciate your time, and uh, maybe we have to have you on again in the near future if it does come to fruition. Sounds great. Thank you, everything. That's Jamie Bettens, former commissioner of the MJBL. We like having him on to talk baseball when the news warrants. And, well, today we didn't get maybe the news we thought we would, which is any actual news. But the roller coaster ride of unchecked gossip online. Hooray. Skyler Peters, he finally did it last week. He went 4-1. and one. In his NFL pick segment. The first time he's done that all year. Lots of three and twos and two and threes. And there was a one and four. But after his success in week 13, he's 33 and 32 on the year. Finally, above 500. First time all year he's cleared 500. So can he keep it going? Well, let's find out with his week 14 picks. We have to start with the big news, Skyler. You went four and one last week. Thank you. You finally did it. You finally... Thank you. Got four right in a week. It took you 13 weeks to go four and one. And the one you got wrong was the Seahawks game. But here you are. Mike McCarthy was trying to make me a five and oh guy. Yeah. He was going for it there when they were already up three uh, in the waning moments of that game. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy about how last week went. Not going to lie. So now you have to follow it up. Right? You break the serve in a tennis match, you got to consolidate yeah. the break. So yeah. you're just above 500 finally. You got to stay there. So where are you going to start to try and keep that? Solid. We will start in the middle of uh, what could be like just a massive storm in mm. northeastern uh, United States. That's the why these point totals are pretty totals low. Totals are diving on some some games on Sunday, uh, including Buffalo KC and, and this game uh, in Baltimore. The Ravens take on the Rams. Ravens off their bye. There were some questions today about Lamar Jackson's availability. He was sick, didn't practice yesterday. Uh, all that's been uh, cleared up. He looks like he's, he's you know back back yeah, being fine. healthy and, and good to go. So um, Ravens coming off the bye, get their QB back and uh, take this uh, this really good offense and this suffocating defense uh, back to M and T Bank Stadium and face the Rams. We're in the playoff picture all of a sudden. They're the and, number eight seed right now in the NFC. Yeah, and look, right nipping on the tails of, the, of my Seahawks, of course, because they couldn't get a win against them in two tries this year for some freaking reason. Nipping at the tail. You're nipping at their tail. You're behind them in the tiebreaker. Yes, but they're a game behind. They're a five-win team. The Rams? Yeah. No, they're six and six, bud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> 
They're part of the, the mediocre logjam, man. <laughs> NFC has the Seahawks, the Rams, the Packers, and the Vikings all at 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, good luck to our editor trying to cut out that little stumble for me. He's I'm probably, the editor, and I'm going to leave it he's in. He's probably not going to. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, I would just don't take a look at the standings over the next couple of weeks. That, that would be my suggestion but to you. But the Rams and Ravens. Yes. Uh, so here we go. The Rams coming off a pretty impressive win last week at home, I'd say. You know, got yeah. it got it done in, in rather low fashion. Flacco was looking nice there for a minute. Uh-huh. Like Rams fans could have been scared, but uh, they pulled away late. Cooper Cup got involved, which is good news because he had been really quiet uh, over the last couple of weeks. Puka Nakua had a, a massive catch and run. This is, these are all the things the Rams need to be successful. Kyron Williams was awesome, again, for them, the rookie running back. Uh, I don't think it's going to go the same for them going up to Baltimore facing this defense. The Rams' special teams are horrendous. They're the worst unit in the league. They're kind of like the 2023 Winnipeg Blue Bombers in terms of kick coverage. Uh, a lot of people know what that looks like, and it's not pretty if you like L.A. Um, so I do think Baltimore is going to deal with a lot of good field position in this game. Um, you know, great rushing attack. They have so many options right now with running the ball. That's just unbelievable. Um, you know, they can stretch the field a little bit on this Rams secondary, but really I think it's just there's going to be too many options for this Rams D to contain. They also light up NFC teams in Baltimore. If you've noticed this year i did notice they destroyed the seahawks they destroyed the lions they traditionally have a very good record at home against the nfc and the rams feel like they're held together by duct tape right now yeah and their o-line is too and this ravens pass rush is going to get home jadavion Clowney, great bet to take a sack Mm. uh take for a sack on uh, sunday afternoon but i think the ravens roll minus eight okay where are you going for stop number two well, this has turned into kind of an intriguing game. Uh, we wouldn't have said this about six weeks ago, but the Indianapolis Colts are out in Cincinnati facing the Bengals, and these two teams are neck and neck in the AFC wildcard pitcher right. all of a sudden. Big win by Cincy on uh, Monday night against yeah, Jacksonville. Their season. Yeah, uh, Jake Browning looked electric. He was, you know, accurate as accurate can be. Mm-hmm. Um, got the the job done. Great game plan by Zach Taylor and the Bengals offense. You know, took care of a pretty good Jaguars defense. I feel like a letdown might be coming here. This is a close game. I think the Colts are minus one and a half. Is that what you're giving me right now? I don't see the Lions at I've the moment. I've got but. Cincinnati minus two and a half in front oh, of me. Give me the Colts. Okay. Colts plus two and a half. Colts money line. Gardner Minshew's been really good. They took advantage of some special teams mistakes by Tennessee last week, and that helped them in that overtime win. I, I thought they were going to roll anyway, and they didn't. Um, I just think Cincy coming off a big win in primetime as a 10-point underdog maybe a little bit overvalued in this spot. Um, you're going to have to have Jake Browning do the exact same thing again against this Colts defense if, if you want to have a chance in this game. defense is not very good. No, but the one part they are good is on the outside, so it's going to be a lot of yak, yards after the catch, running the football. Joe Mixon, you know, Jamar Chase on the screens and the shallow routes. That's how, since he keeps this one close, I do think Indy gets this done, though. Okay, so you've got the uh, underdog in that one, and your final pick. I don't want to do this to you as an NFC North watcher, Uh-oh. which you are, but uh, you have an in-division battle that's not featuring your club on Correct. Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's <laughs> Why are the Chicago Bears three-point dogs at home to the Detroit? Do, do people not realize the Detroit Lions are battling for the one seed in the NFC right now? It's probably something to do with it's outdoors, it's December, and it's Jared this, Goff. This is so trappy, and Jared Goff indoors and outdoors, I think we've mentioned on this. The splits are pretty dire. Yeah, it's it's a lot different. That's probably why. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm taking the Chicago Bears Whoa. plus three at Soldier Field. 
They're, you know what? They've been a lot better under Justin Fields. I the Monday you, night game. I can give you plus three and a half for minus 120 you. on play now. I'll pay the juice because okay. I'm looking at plus 100 for this plus three right now on 365. Okay. And I would probably wait for that movement anyway. Uh, okay. Justin Fields has looked a lot better than you know Tyson Badgett did in the, in the middle of the season chunk when he was starting. Made one good throw against the Vikings to win the game. And he won the football game. Fumbled twice. That's correct. Won Every the fo- throw was behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't do that again. And and you know what? This Detroit defense... I'm going to talk myself to Detroit mid Detroit's defense here. is bad. They but, almost let the Saints come back last week. But they, they're like a fast and hungry defense. They make a lot of mistakes. And they don't cover well down the field. And I just think this is another DJ Moore... Eight catch, hundred twenty yard okay. blow up game, touchdown, take the props kind of thing, and the Bears are gonna, you know, all they're gonna get it done this time because okay. they almost went into Detroit and yeah, beat them, and should've. things fell apart in the fourth quarter. Totally should have beat them. Um, I I think they get it done. In, yeah, what's gonna be another low scoring kind of weathery game out uh, in Soldier Field? Okay, well, I'm not. I'm watching Red Zone, so it'll be on. But anyway, we have <laughs> options in the late window. The two three oh five starts on Sunday are our games. Going head-to-head against one another. The Seahawks in San Francisco. Their season <sighs> is falling Slipping off the rails. Away. They are 11-point underdogs <laughs> in San Francisco. Or you can take the Vikings-Raiders game. Minnesota, a three-point favorite. At Vegas, Justin Jefferson is back. Josh Dobbs is still the starting quarterback. So do you want to pick the Vikings game or the Seahawks game? You know what? It's just been so it's been so gross between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. It was all Seahawks for like a decade. And in the last two years, it has gone completely off the rails. And Kyle Shanahan just outcoaches the heck out of Pete Carroll. And there's no answer for their weapons. There's no answer for Trent Williams pushing guys down the field from that left tackle spot. The average margin of victory for the uh, Niners in the four most recent games against Seattle, which is only dating back to the start of last season. Two regular season games, playoff win in the wild card round, and then two weeks ago on Thursday night. 30 to 14 average scores for both teams. Yikes. Four wins for the Niners well, in that time. Well, that's a cover time. for the Niners. Yes. Uh, you know what I am going to be taking uh, seriously is the Seahawks' first half spread. I'm assuming it's probably plus six and a half. That's usually what that number would be if it's kind of around that 11-12 mark. Because I think Seattle can hang in there for a bit. And at some point, there's just too many adjustments made. And, and Seattle's the king of not adjusting. It's six and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Seattle first half plus six and a half over the game though. You got to just got to ride the trends. You got to go with the Niners here. They look like the best team in the league. I do have a Brock Purdy MVP future from oh. three weeks ago at fourteen to one. He's okay. now the favorite at three to one. Oh my! If this guy wins MVP, it's it just shows the sad state of quarterbacking in the National Football yeah. League. You know, when Patrick Mahomes has an off year, this is what we deal with basically now. Um, yeah, this is just going to be so ugly, man. And now you, then you go into a Monday nighter against Philly, and you're six and seven, and and you could be in a five game losing streak territory if you lose the next two weeks. So Seattle's coming off the mini buy on the Thursday nighter against Dallas. That's really the only hope I have. You know, Kenneth Walker's back for Seattle. This that I think they can they can surprise like they did early on in the Dallas game, and they were in that one right till the very end. I don't think it's going to be like that against San Fran, especially not in Santa Clara. Big night for DK Metcalf, though. I will say that two in a row for him. So you're picking San Francisco minus eleven? That's correct. Okay, but Seahawks plus six and a half first half. Okay. If anyone's interested, so we have options for you, like one of the two dreadful Monday nighters. Yeah, that are I didn't on even the know there was a doubleheader. Not even a doubleheader. They're simultaneous. 
They're both yeah. at 715. Packers, Giants, Titans, Dolphins. There's some gross ones on the board. There's some good ones on the you board. You could have gone Packers, Dolphins, Titans, Giants, and then just had like one Monday night game <laughs> that everyone would watch. and everyone, I'd be in. I don't understand this at all from yeah. the NFL. But you mentioned MVP. Yeah. And the man who has it in front of him, I think, is Dak Prescott. Because he's got a gauntlet coming up. And if he can get through that gauntlet, 100%. lead the Dallas Cowboys 100%. to a division title, he's going to be the MVP. And that starts Sunday night with the final game you're going to pick of this segment. Thank you. It is Cowboys-Eagles. It is the Sunday nighter. It is a great game. Huge game. The Eagles' schedule from here is way easier than Dallas's. But Cowboys can get the division you know, in their grasp for at least one week if they are to win this football game. And then they get some help from the Seahawks. Maybe. So... <laughs> This is a, a little bit of a tough line. It's Dallas minus three and a half. There's the hook. Jalen Hurts hasn't been super duper healthy. They've been, the uh, Eagles are at the end of their gauntlet. The Cowboys are just starting theirs, but they've been so good at home. They've been putting up all kinds of points at home. And the Eagles defense isn't what it once was. So do you like Dallas or Philly? The number is three and a half. Oh, I like Dallas. Love Dallas here. Okay. Um, this is a, I think that's the right pick. Uh, this is a question of, I've been saying this about the Eagles for about a month is that we don't, I don't buy it with them. I need to see it against like, you know, good teams. Mm -hmm. And this is their chance to prove me wrong. Dallas has shown you everything you would want to see against against inferior opponents. Yes. Now we, we say, okay, do it again, do it against some real competition in the division. Uh, a game that's always heated, obviously. Uh, and I believe Dallas usually smashes up on the Eagles at AT&T. I think last year they did not have Dak Prescott in this game and won this one going away. If I do remember correctly, I don't know if that was a Cooper Rush game or not, so please forgive me. Um, this is, you know, outside of a field goal is tough in this divisional game and two teams that, you know, either of them could be the number one seed in the NFC. But the health of Jalen Hurts, um, the run game was really non-existent outside of, you know, what they've drawn up with the quarterback position. Like DeAndre Swift wasn't very good in the Eagles game against the 49ers and their run defense. It's a similar, you know, strength in terms of the Cowboys D right now and what they've got under Dan Quinn. So um, I like the Cowboys. It was my Super Bowl pick earlier in the year. I'm, I'm still riding with it. There might be a little hedge opportunity before Sunday for me to take Dak Prescott to win MVP. I feel like him and Brock Purdy are going to come down to the wire. I don't think Hurts has it in the bag. Sorry, Tyson Rewicki. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, there was 40-34 on Christmas Eve last year. When okay, I think so it, was it, was Gard- it was Gardner Minshew, though, that played in that oh, game. Okay, okay. But, but the Cowboys have won over their last few years. Um, one, two, three, four five games in a row against the Eagles in Dallas. And they've won, you know, outside of the Seattle game where, where the Hawks came to play and kind of surprised Dallas, I think, early on. They've won every home game by 20-plus points. Yeah, like they've they're, they're up plus 100 at yeah. home. So I just like that trend to keep going on Sunday night. Great game. Going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, so to recap, he's got the Ravens minus eight at home against the Rams. He's got the Colts plus two and a half in Cincinnati. The Bears plus three and a half at home against the Lions. He has no trust left in the Seahawks. Niners minus 11 against his team. This is just sad state of affairs in, in the Pacific Northwest, folks. And the Dallas Cowboys minus three and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles in Dallas. Let's see if he can stay above 500 and 
cash some bets this week. Two quick ones for you, a couple of props. Okay. Kyron Williams is still plus money to get a touchdown against the Ravens on Sunday. I do like that. He's automatic right now. Like he's Christian McCaffrey automatic, and Christian McCaffrey's minus three fifty to get one against Seattle oh on Sunday afternoon, which is just disgusting. And Josh Allen's going to be running for his life against this Chiefs pass rush over thirty and a half rushing yards. Take it up to fifty if you want. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's running ten, eleven times on Sunday afternoon. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the dishes. So sad that it should come to this. We try to